0: Bryant is in the middle of a play season, so they got the lights all weird and messed up, but it's good. We can see each other. Um, So let's stand together and let's worship. My name is Larry. I'm one of the pastors here at Queens Church. It's our joy to have you uh, worship with us today in spirit and in truth. Today, we're going to lift high the name of Jesus, and we are going to see that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and the only way that you and I can have fellowship with God our Father is through Jesus Christ. Let's sing together
1: Hello, hello. Welcome to Queen's Church. Let's all sing together. There is freedom and there is joy in the house of the Lord. swim in the waters we want to dance there is a river flowing a river of joy and laughter we want to swim in the waters we want to dance Sing there's joy there is joy in the house of the Sentir tu gozo, podemos sentir tu río, a sanidad en las aguas, podemos danzar. Podemos sentir tu gozo, podemos sentir tu río, a sanidad en las aguas, podemos danzar. Hay libertad en la casa de Dios, a libertad en la casa de Dios, hay libertad en la casa de Dios Freedom reigns in the house of the Lord. Freedom reigns in the house of the Lord. Freedom reigns. Freedom reigns. Freedom reigns in the house of the Lord. Freedom reigns in the house of the Lord. so I'll make a joyful noise today. make new surrender my life. because he will make you new, all you need to do is ask. Praise Him for making things new. I love you, Lord, for your mercy never fails. been held in your hands. From the moment that I wake up, till I lay my head, I will sing of the goodness of God. All my life you have been darkest night, you are close like no other, I've known you as a father, I've known you as a friend, and I have lived in the goodness. Running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. With my life laid down, I've surrendered now. I give you everything. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Goodness is running after. my life laid down, I surrender now, I give you everything, your goodness is running after, it's running after me, oh, all my life you have been faithful, oh, all my life you have been so, so good. the goodness of God let's use this time to meditate on the goodness of God what has he done in your life to take care of that pain what has he done in your life to be there when no one else was just meditate on that goodness because he is good the Bible says that he is goodness life laid down surrender now i give you everything your goodness is running after is running after me with all my life you have been great all my life you have been so so good with every breath goodness of God. I will sing in the goodness of God. I will sing in the goodness of God. Lord, we praise you today. We lift up your name. Your name is the name that is worthy to be praised, the name above all other names, God. We praise you and thank you. You are good. You are great. You are wonderful. You are counselor. You are Prince of Peace. You are so many things, God. And we thank you today for this place. We thank you today for these people, for this message. May you speak through Pastor Larry today as he guides us through the book of Mark. And he just... Speak to us in a new way and change our vision of you, change our understanding of you so that we leave this place a changed people, a grateful people, a loved people, God. all this we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Y'all may be seated. Thank you. Oh, sorry. Don't be
2: seated. Hello. Don't be seated. I'm going to do something that I used to do in my church meet someone that is new or someone around you say hi if you didn't bring hand sanitizer just wave if you feel weird about saying but say hi to someone around you i'm noticing y'all don't want to move from your spot hi live hello all right now y'all can sit give it up for our worship band Who's giving me some background music? I didn't realize I was going to have background music. This is awesome. Okay, so my name is Megan Dobbs. I'm the women's ministry intern. I moved from Texas, so if I haven't met you yet, please come say hi. Um, but I'm excited to be here this morning. So a couple announcements. Raise your hand if you are have been to Women's Space before. If you have it, it is on Tuesday nights at our ministry center at 7. We would love to have you there. What? Oh, I thought you were saying something to me. I know. And then Thursdays, raise your hand if you came this Thursday to our first coffee and combo. Yes, I did. It is we met at B Cafe this week. We are meeting at Gossip Coffee on 30th and 37th. I should know that because that's right where I live. Um, so that starts at 8:30 a.m. So it's really just after drop-off, but come when you can. So we had people come in all different times, so we'd love to see you there. Um, Men's group is on Saturday mornings at the ministry center, correct? At 9 a.m. The men were, y'all, I mean, y'all were a lot more rowdier than our, but that's okay. Um, And then, what's it called? Explorers. I'm still learning all the things. Explorers to tell us, when is Explorers? At what time? 6 p.m. Same with youth. If you have more questions, come talk to one of us, Candice specifically, Pastor Larry. Um, and then I'm going to invite Yael to come up for a second. Give it up for Yael. So those are our announcements. If anything I said you have questions, come talk to me. I'd be happy to help you, give you more specific directions. Um, but we're going to enter into a time of giving. Um, I'm going to have Yael read our verse. Okay, Deuteronomy 16, 17 says, Every man shall give as he
1: is able, according to the blessing of the Lord your God that he has given you. Great
2: job. Amen. So I wanted to share kind of, I grew up in the church, and so giving, I gave because I was supposed to. Um, As I got older, I kind of gave what I had left over. Um, And so as I grew in my faith, I went from this like have to to this place of I want to, and it was kind of this act of surrender because I like to have things in control. Anyone else? You don't have to raise your hand if you don't feel it, but I like to be in control, and that felt out of control, um, but it is out of our abundance, right? The Lord gives every, everything that we have is from the Lord, and so notice that that verse said, as you are able, um, and so we would love for you and invite you into this time of giving. Give what you're able Um, and know that the Lord blesses that, and he will return that. He says he can do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. So, um, directions on how are up there, and I believe there's a box in the back, but let me pray. God, thank you for every gift that you have given us. Um, Thank you for every blessing. Lord, I pray for those that are in this room that um, that may feel like a lot to give anything. Lord, I pray that you would meet them where they're at. Um, I pray for those that are searching for jobs. God, that you would um, help them in their search, so you would be near um, and guide them. Lord, I pray immeasurably more over each person in this room. Um, we thank you for what you've done for us. God, thank you for sending your signs down on the cross for us. And um, I pray that we would give um, so that we can pour out. Um, it's in your name I pray. Amen.
0: Amen. Thank you, Megan. Open your Bibles with me to the book of Mark. Mark is in the New Testament. It's one of the four Gospels that is the story of the good news of Jesus Christ as told by uh, Jesus' closest friends, those whom he called the twelve apostles, the ones that he called out and said, Come and follow me. Mark chapter 1. We are going to be going through the book of Mark um, throughout the beginning of this year, and we're going to do it slowly, verse by verse. So if you are an impatient person, then this, this uh, first quarter of the year will be a good practice for you in patiently walking through um, this book of the Bible. Last week we saw that Mark made this Old Testament connection for his readers. He, he came and he proclaimed, where, where did John the Baptist start announcing Jesus from? Anybody remember from last week? Where was he? Say it, say it again. The wilderness, that's right. Remember, John the Baptist came into the wilderness and said, Jesus Christ is the Messiah. And he quoted the Old Testament. He was connecting Jesus to the Old Testament. John the Baptizer was announcing that there was one who is coming who is mightier than him, that he couldn't even be worthy enough to untie this man's sandals. And he said that he was going to baptize everyone with the Holy Spirit of God. So now, after making all of that, Mark describes, here in these next couple of verses, something very important. He describes how God the Father and the Holy Spirit confirm his statements. In other words, he's rooting his announcement of Jesus in the affirmation of God the Father and the Holy Spirit. He's saying, it wasn't just this this guy that was eating wild Locusts and honey. It's not just him who says that this man is the Son of God. It is also God the Father and God the Son. Let's read right now Mark chapter 1. I hope you had time to get there. Verses 9 through 11. Mark says this In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and he was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son. With you I am well pleased. Let's pray. Father, as we have read your word, we pray that you, would help us understand it so that we would know what you meant when you left us this message and we would know how it applies to our lives here some 2,000 years later. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Real quick, Miss Pat, would you mind going to the back and asking them to security guards to keep it down? Sorry. If it's distracting me all the way over here, I'm sure it's got to be distracting some people in the back. Yes. Uh, Thank you, Miss Pat. Everybody get up from Miss Pat, our lead greeter. Woo! She and Miss Lorene are here every week saying hi to you guys, welcoming. They help make Queen's Church feel like such a place that's home, so much so that you might just have a party while the pastor is preaching. Um, <laughs> so here we are. Mark chapter one, right here in verse 9. The voice of the Father, God the Father, breaks out. The first time he's listed as speaking here in the Gospel of Mark. And the Holy Spirit is described as descending on Jesus like a dove. These, the Father and the Holy Spirit, are the next witnesses in Mark, in his retelling of the good news of Jesus Christ. His first witness was John the Baptist, right? Now he says, not only is John the Baptist proclaiming this man is the Son of God, but now God the Father and God, the Holy Spirit, and they begin to defend the dif- divinity of Jesus. So, there's some things about Jesus that, as a follower of Christ or as a seeker, if you, if you're not a Christian, but you're interested in what God had to say. Some things you need to know about Jesus. Jesus was fully man. That is, we believe that the Scriptures teach that Jesus was fully a man, 100 percent a man. He wept like a man. He was hungry like a man. Jesus was born into this world like a man. He was 100% man. But also that he is unique over and against all of the rest of creation in that Jesus was also fully divine. That is, he is fully man and fully God. Quite the mystery, seeing as it is that none of us would raise our hands and proclaim to be God, right? So Jesus is unique, fully God and fully man. Mark right here is making a defense to his audience about the divinity of Jesus, the divine nature of Jesus Christ. He is trying to say to people, his, reader, his, his readers then and you and I, his readers now, Jesus was and is God. So let me just give you a little bit of the historical root. The historical view of Jesus is rooted in an insurmountable view of evidence. What I mean by that is, um, virtually, There is virtual universal agreement amongst scholars, both atheist, agnostic, Christian, and other religions. Universal agreement that a man named Jesus from the town of Nazareth walked the earth. The historical evidence also is universally agreed upon that this man had a baptism event with this guy named John in the wilderness. His crucifixion is well documented and universally agreed upon. His calling of his twelve disciples, these men who followed him when he taught. His, uh, another one that is uh, universally agreed upon because it's written about in so many extra-biblical sources is Jesus' causing a controversy at the temple. Isn't that funny? There's like five or six things that everyone agrees upon, no matter what your belief system is. Like, you can't deny this guy existed. One of them is that he went into the temple and caused a controversy. <laughs> Jesus And his disciples' persecution is universally agreed upon. And there are others. But the point is that Jesus was a real man who walked the earth. He really lived and had a verifiable ministry. That is, people spoke to the veracity, the truth of the fact that this man came and ministered. Now, obviously, it is controversial about his miracles Were these people making things up just so that other people would follow him? What about his resurrection? Did he really raise from the dead? And to some people, the 500 witnesses and the martyrs that immediately followed Jesus, the women who were given a voice when other women did not have a voice, these things are not enough to proclaim that Jesus was God and that he is one true God. However, Mark, being a witness in his writing, is trying to make certain that that his readers know that Jesus was not simply a man, but that he was also God. This man was the Messiah, the one who had come to save, and his divine nature, that is those characteristics about him that make him God, were not only heralded or announced by his miracles, It wasn't just his resurrection. It wasn't just the the miracles that he performed. It wasn't just the documents that back up the truth of him. His divinity is actually announced by Yahweh. The God, almighty creator of the universe from the Old Testament announces his divinity right here in Mark chapter 1. And then, as if that weren't enough on its own, because it is enough on its own, the Holy Spirit of God descends in a mark of approval and a sign of sending out commissioning for service on Jesus. John, the Apostle John, not John the Baptizer, is the one who witnessed this with his eyes. Matthew teaches us this. That when they, when they came after uh, the baptism, John describes them how he, he saw the Holy Spirit descend on Jesus like a dove. And God the Father said, broke out in an audible voice, This is my Son in whom I am well pleased. Mark begins with where Jesus is from, Nazareth. And he, he distinguishes him with this, as a specific person in a specific place. And God the Father confirms that Jesus is the only Son of God. So a few things about this, after that description of what has just taken place, that I want us to take. The first one is this. You know, we talked about last week how sometimes we are called out into the wilderness. A couple of you even said something after the sermon um, to me, or a couple of you texted me and and talked to me. That was what got me. The fact that I'm in the wilderness right now, and that doesn't mean that God is far from me. Amen? Amen. John said, come out into the wilderness to meet Jesus. The first thing I want us to see today, which wasn't clear yet from last week's sermon, is that Jesus comes out into the wilderness. Jesus doesn't stay on his throne in heaven. He comes out into the wilderness. He is not the type of leader who sits in a palace and requires his followers to come to him. Amen, right? Amen. Could you imagine devoting your life? I mean, the songs that we just sang, with my life laid down, I surrender now everything to you. Could you do that if the God of the universe sat in heaven and said, Follow me? We would, rightfully so, from earth go. But you don't know anything about what it's like down here. You've never experienced the pain of the death of a loved one. You've never experienced a breakup. You're just in heaven on your throne. What do you know about poverty? What do you know about my problems? What do you know about how hard temptation is to overcome? How can you sit on your throne and demand that I follow you? Am I the only one who thinks that would be difficult? But that's not the God we serve. The God we serve left his throne in heaven and came to dwell among us. He came to earth so that you and I, Romans teaches, would have someone who we could relate to. Jesus experienced the pain and the difficulty of temptation. He lost loved ones. He walked this earth and faced the the reality of poverty. He was hungry. He was in need and had to rely on others to resource him at times. Jesus is not the type of leader who sits in the palace and requires his followers to come to him. Rather, Jesus leaves heaven and his throne, and he takes on flesh, and he dwells among us. Praise God. Jesus came not only to earth, but he came to his people residing out in the wilderness to receive baptism. So John said, remember uh, last week in the verses just above, John said, I'm not even worthy to untie Jesus's, this one who's going to come, I'm not, even unworthy, I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals. Jesus, th- that's John's perspective. Jesus comes out into the wilderness and says, Not only are you good to untie my sandals, cousin, but I want you to baptize me. Can you imagine what John felt? I'm not worthy. I just said I'm not even worthy to be your servant. Now you're wanting me to baptize you, expressing some sort of uh, control or authority over you, and 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 to put you under the water into this baptism of repentance that I'm doing for all these others? I could never. Yet Jesus insisted. And John baptized him. And when he did, we see why. That's because Jesus knew that this was the moment he had been waiting for. Jesus is about 30 years old right here when this happens. And he knows this is the moment that he's been waiting for. When God was finally going, God his father was finally going to send him out on this mission to save the world. He had lived 30 years in ambiguity. Studying the word of God. Spending time with his father in the temple. Involved in his family. Honing his skills, his trade, his craftsmanship. But not performing miracles. Keeping quiet about who he really was. Just living an everyday life like every other Jewish man from Nazareth. But in this moment, it was time for him to be announced by the father consecrated by the Holy Spirit in baptism, and sent out. Now, next week, you might be surprised to find out. Don't read ahead. See some of you looking down already? Next week, you might be surprised to find out where he is sent out to. I'm just kidding. You can read ahead if you want. Um, but this is what's happening here. Jesus comes out into the wilderness. He's not the type of leader that waits on the sidelines or sits on the throne and says, Come and follow me. He comes down into the wilderness with his people. Another thing, though, that's really important here that I hope we can all see, and the main point I want you to gain from today's sermon, is in verse 11. This voice that comes from heaven, God the Father, says, You are my beloved Son, with you I am well pleased. I want us to sit here for a moment. Because in our culture and in our day and age, we tend to allow approval To follow performance. That is, we wait and see what people can do or will do for us before we tend to approve of them or accept them fully into our midst. Think about a couple, okay? A a couple going out on their first date. Now, I haven't been in the dating scene in quite some time. 18 or 19 years or so. So I don't know if it's still like this. But back in my day... If you wanted to go on a date, especially if you're a guy, first thing you gotta do is go get a fresh shave, get a haircut, shape it up. Brandon's like, no, that's not how they do it anymore. So let me, teach, let me teach you our ways. You're already married, so you don't need to know, but some of you might. Go get lined up at the barbershop, go get your freshest outfit, or if you don't have one of those, you need to go to the store, invest a little bit of money. Because I'm not talking about just any old girl you met on Bumble. I'm talking about a girl who, like, highly recommended from the friends, hung out in a group scenario before, so you know you kind of you have a little bit of a connection with her. Like, you're wanting, you're wanting this to work before the first date. You're already seeing a future, right? That kind of girl. Not just, uh, you know, coffee or, or, or a tender swipe or anything like that. This is legit. This is, this is uh, wife-quality material. You put on your best, right? You put deodorant on. You might even put on some cologne. Lamar <laughs> said you better put deodorant on. You put on some cologne. You get the Air Force Ones out. Or for my younger, younger children, the Yeezys. You put on your best shoes. You find a, you find a place that, that comes highly recommended from a friend. You get reservations. You're like, I'm going to make sure this girl has no excuse like if i if anything screws up it's going to be me it's going to be my personality she's just going to knock it like me but everything else is going to be perfect the setting will be perfect i will look my best and then you have the the woman too right let's say she has she reciprocates the feelings she feels the same way about him pre first date as he feels about her she's going to do all the same things she's going to set up her little tripod for film her tiktok get ready with me for this date she's doing her makeup she got the YouTube tutorial over here, and she's filming herself over here. She wants to make sure it's perfect. She, she FaceTimes her three best friends and tries on six different outfits, and she's like, which one is, is this too much? Is this not enough? Too bright? Is it too dark? Am I going to look right? She makes sure that if he don't like her, it's because he really doesn't like her. Right? She's not going to mess anything up. She's going to put her best foot forward, if you will. Now, Think of another couple, this one like maybe like me and Lindsay, 15 years of marriage, almost 15 years of marriage. I mean, I've already won Lindsay's approval. She's already won my approval. It's done. We're not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. She's not going anywhere. Sometimes they may even suffer from underperforming, right? Anybody have been in a marriage like that? Don't say amen. Don't say Amen. <laughs> And the newlyweds in the house are like, that could really happen? Yes, it could. You might you might ask your wife out on a date, and she might show up in sweatpants. You never know. Why, though? What's the difference? What's the difference between a 15-year-old, a seasoned couple who knows, like, they're, 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 they're confident in, in how much they love one another and what they look like and all that, and a first-time date? Well, the difference is the way that our culture and we as Uh, people who live in the culture, perceive approval. See, I would never think, even a little bit, that if I showed up with Lindsay on a date wearing something she didn't like, or that she didn't think I looked nice, that that affects her approval of me in any way. I am confident in how she feels about me, how she looks toward me, how she thinks about me, and instead, all those things aside, I'm confident in the covenant that she and I sit under. That no matter what I look like, she approves. But, it's not the same for this couple over here, is it? It's not the same because this is a first impression we're talking about, or maybe like a second or third impression, but it's really early on. And I don't know if they're going to like my style. I don't know if they're going to like the way that my face looks. (laughs) I don't know if they're going to like my haircut. I don't know if they're going to like my approach. Maybe I came on too strong. That was usually my problem. I'm sure that surprises all of you. Maybe you didn't come on strong enough. You see, there's all of these these questions in the first time date that are already answered over here. And the difference is Lindsay and I have proven to one another that we approve of one another. And this couple still needs to prove it. And since we feel like we need to prove it, then we must perform to a certain degree, right? That's how you get like a year into a relationship and be like, man, you used to really look nice when we went out. Now you're in a hoodie and Crocs on a date. <laughs> yeah, if you haven't seen Gen Z go on a date yet, just wait. They go in Crocs. I've seen them. Like at an actual restaurant, not McDonald's. Crocs. They'll do it. Crocs and socks. Hey, and, and if that's you, Gen Z, come see me for some advice. I, I, I got your back. But listen, the point is, whether it's in dating, right? That, that, that's a dating illustration. But I could have made the same exact illustration for a job. Imagine that, right? Like uh, you going for a job interview versus you've been at this place for 15 years. Relationships, a job, it doesn't matter. Traditionally in our culture, approval follows performance. We must perform or put on our best or prove ourselves before we are approved. Before we get the stamp from whoever it is we're trying to impress. But as a Christian, listen closely, or as someone who's seeking the Lord, listen closely. This idea, this concept must be rewritten in our brains when we are trying to understand how God our Father views us. It must be rewritten. You you and I cannot live a faithful Christian life if we don't rewrite that formula in our head. And it's displayed to us right here in Mark chapter 1 verses 11. A voice comes from heaven. Before Jesus has performed a miracle, Before Jesus has said anything about the gospel or the kingdom, before Jesus has done anything worthy of God his Father's approval, he hasn't lived out the mission. He hasn't even been tempted by Satan in the wilderness. That's next week. Jesus, in essence, has done nothing but been born and just walked around and lived life like a regular man. Yet, here are the words of his Father to him you are my beloved son with you i am well pleased jesus did not have to perform to receive god's approval and listen closely church neither do you in fact Later on in the Gospels, we will learn that all of the good things that we think we do to perform for God, coming to church, forgiving people when they wrong us, loving our neighbor, all of those things, when we do them out of our own power, are like filthy rags to God. It's like that rag in the back of your drawer that you grab when grease spills on the floor. Not the hand towel, like the one in the back, the nasty, filthy one that just gets put back in the washing machine. It's all grimy and stuff. It's clean, but it looks grimy. And then you clean up the mess on the floor with. That's what our good works are like to God when we do them on our own. We can do nothing to earn God's approval, to earn his love, to earn his grace or his mercy upon us. Do you know why? Because he's already given it. Jesus is God's love made manifest, established and rooted in a person who gave up his life for you and for me. He is the love of God come to us And when he comes, he says, you are lost in sin. But I will not condemn you for that sin. Come and follow me. Approval in God's eyes comes before performance. He approves of Jesus because of who God, because of who Jesus is. Not because of what Jesus does for him. And God, your Father, approves you. God, my Father, approves me. Not when he looks at Larry and says, look, Larry did all these things, I approve of him. No, 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 those things I've done, they're like filthy rags. They're not welcome in the house of God because God is holy and I am sinful. But when God the Father looks at me and I have placed my faith In Jesus for salvation, when He looks at me, who does He see? He sees Jesus. And what did what? Just recap. What did God the Father say about Jesus? Real fast. You are my beloved Son. In you, I am well pleased. Romans chapter five, verse eight. Says it like this. This is Paul writing, to the church in Rome. And he says, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, say still sinners, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You know, there's a, there's an evil way of thought sometimes from people who are not a part of the church. Toward the church. And this evil way of thought created by Satan to keep people out of fellowship with God says this. Maybe some of you have believed this. I know some of you have because some of you have told me you thought this before. Here's the evil way of thought. I mean, I would like to go to church. I would like to follow God. But I got too much stuff in my own life that I got to clean up first. Once I get my stuff taken care of, once I get cleaned up enough, then I will come God, anyone ever felt like that before you can raise your hand it's okay we're in church be honest yep there's some hands in the back that's right mine is up because even as someone raised in the church i can still be tempted to feel like that maybe it wasn't about church but it was about prayer for you you're like no the church people at queen church they're very welcoming accepting They'll, they'll accept me even though they know i'm a sinner but i don't like to pray to god unless first i've like cleaned myself up like, I, I wouldn't pray to him ever in the midst of temptation or right after a sin. I know i got to do some penance. i got to suffer a little bit before I'm able to come into his presence in prayer. That is an evil line of thinking. And the reason it's evil is because it's the antithesis of what we are taught in Scripture. In Scripture, we see that Christ did not wait for you and me to clean ourselves up before he decided to be the atonement for your sins. Christ died for you when you were still a sinner, But this is hard for us to understand because we are a performance follows, I mean, approval follows performance type of people. We can't imagine a scenario in which someone would accept us and welcome us into their family when we are hating their family. When we are bad-mouthing their mama. You wouldn't welcome me into, into your house for Christmas if I had just talked about your mama on Christmas Eve. You say, Larry's only there to cause drama. He can't come. But that's not how Jesus works. Jesus says, even though you are still a sinner, you are causing an affront to my name. You are against me. That is when I will come and die for you. It's almost as if, when you are in the wilderness, Jesus says, I know you can't get to me you're just lost in the wilderness wandering around you'll never make it so i will come to you and it's not almost as if he did that remember the first thing we talked about he did that there is a lot of uh, there are a lot of things in the bible that point us to truth this is one of them it is no mistake that John was baptizing Jesus in the wilderness. It is so that we would see that Jesus is willing to leave his place of comfort and come to us in the wilderness so that we might be saved. So that we would understand that just like he received the approval of God his Father and the, uh, the, the Holy Spirit descending on him like a dove before he had performed any miracles that Jesus loves you before you have done anything for him. And I'll tell you something else that's true. If that is not true, then all of us are damned. Because none of us can do anything to earn our way to God. It is a stairway we cannot reach without the advocate named Jesus Christ. Do you struggle with confidence in your faith? because you misunderstand how God sees you? What I mean is, are you not confident in how God loves you and how he sees you and that causes you to sometimes think, ooh, I don't know about that sin. I'm probably not worthy to do that at the church. Like, I could never read scripture like I did at the church because I got got too much stuff in between me and God. I could never imagine myself preaching like Pastor Larry because he must have his life right. I, I could never grab a microphone and, and speak God's word because I'm, I'm too messed up. I'm too sinful. I'm telling you, church, those are lies from hell. I do not preach because I have earned or I'm worthy. I preach because Christ Jesus lives in me. And in that sense, we are all called to be preachers, to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, that he has changed my life. And I had nothing to do with it. Jesus performed. So I am approved. Jesus' work on the cross accomplished my salvation. It was already done. All I did was receive it. I accepted Jesus. I did not perform to receive this approval. Christ died so that you and I can have life And there is no amount of cleaning up we can do in order to make ourselves worthy. You can't take enough showers. You can't have enough uh, tear-filled nights at your bedside to get cleaned up before God. It's not possible. Our response is only to trust in the sacrifice of Jesus for salvation and to walk in obedience like he said when he left this earth. So, as we move toward a close, I want to invite you to consider these questions. The first is the one that I already asked. Are you so busy thinking that you need to prove yourself to God that you have set yourself apart from His love? Are you... Even, even, I'm talking to Christians in the room, too. I know this is not just for for people who have never trusted Jesus as their Savior. I mean, those of you who, you're like baptized believers, I'm in the Word, I'm praying, but sometimes I question my salvation because I can't imagine if God would love me or not. Do you ever struggle in your faith because you don't know if you're worthy or not? I am here to say to you today, you are worthy of God's love Because Christ Jesus has become the propitiation for your sins. That means that Jesus Christ stepped in to the courtroom where you were proclaimed guilty, and he said, give me the punishment. Set her free. She can come with me. And the reason that he's not locked up It's because the crucifixion that we know is verifiably a historical fact, that crucifixion didn't end. Three days later, Jesus rose again. And he says, you will join me in life. So if you struggle with your confidence in your faith because you misunderstand how God sees you, church, please hear me today. From the words of the gospel of Mark, you are my beloved son. With you, I am pleased. When you are in Christ Jesus, you are what we just sung a couple of songs ago, a new creation. You are created anew, and this new creation that is your new identity, it's created in Christ Jesus for good works. You have been transformed from death into life. So if you're struggling with confidence in your faith because of that today, don't don't try harder right now. Honestly, I just want you to receive it. You may even say during this next song, you may sit there and pray to yourself, God, it's hard for me to believe that sermon because I still feel unworthy. But I want you to say these words, but I receive Jesus. And when you receive Jesus, you are receiving the approval we didn't get in, we didn't even get a chance to get into how your perspective of your earthly father, however present or active he was in your life, may be staining your perspective of God your father. We can get into that at another time, but I will say this about that. God your father should be informing. The way that you see your earthly father more than your earthly father is informing the way that you see God the Father. In other words, maybe you had a really absent father or an aggressively present father in every sense of the word. You need to allow God the Father's love shown to you be reflected in the way that you look at your father. Maybe you had a really active, loving father. The same is still true. That God the Father looks to you, and he shows you the approval that you need in Christ Jesus, and that gives you every bit of wisdom you need and how you treat and how you look to and have a perspective up against your earthly father. Don't allow the cart to get before the horse. And you think, because your dad didn't do a good job of loving you, there's no way God the Father could do a good job of loving you. Or the fact that even a 94 was never enough for your dad. Never enough. That's how I describe my dad in two words. Maybe you'd say, never enough. I can never do enough to get his approval. Don't let that stain the way that you see God the Father. Because see here in Jesus' baptism, God, your Father, approves you because you are in Christ Jesus. Second question is, so that if you're struggling in your confidence and faith because you misunderstand how God sees you, receive Jesus and the love that God gives through him today. The second one is this. How would your internal conversation with God and your internal conversation with yourself, how would those be different if suddenly today you believed that you were accepted and approved by God? Would your prayers change? Would your thoughts about yourself change? If suddenly today you just said, you know what? What Pastor Larry was preaching, it was from God's word and it is true. Therefore, I believe it. What if suddenly you believed it? How would that change your internal conversation? How would that change your prayer life? Not because of your performance, but because of the actions of Jesus. I want to invite you to explore that this week. Maybe you need to write that down or type it into your phone. But it's, I'm, almost, I'm inviting you to do an, an analysis of your prayer life, an analysis of the internal conversations you have throughout the day in your head. And, and would those change if I believed that God actually received and accepted and approved of me in Christ Jesus? Would I stop trying to fight for his approval? I stopped trying to earn His love? And if I did stop fighting so much, what could my prayer life look like? Maybe God is calling you out of the fight for His approval and into the enjoyment of His love. Mm. Like in Psalm 23, when in the midst of a vision of of a great fight, the valley that David sees. A shadow of his death. He sees death's door knocking. And he sees the enemies that caused the death in a battle below him. And he looks a little closer. Maybe he's looking through binoculars or something. And and what does he see? Do you remember in Psalm 23, what does David see about this valley that's filled with his death and his enemies? What does he see on the floor of the valley? A table. It's almost as if God is calling David... Not to fight for his life, but to enjoy the life that God has given him. And he, he walks down there and, and he gets to the table. And it's not that the enemies have stopped fighting. It's not that the enemies have fled. No, they are all around him. And could you just picture in, in Psalm 23, God the Father going, Hey David, have a seat. And David's like, "Yeah," uh. but they're fighting. He goes, yeah, but I've prepared this table before you in the presence of your enemies. It's not your job to fight. It's your job to enjoy the feast. That's what I'm inviting you to. From Mark chapter 1, verse 11, that one thought, God approved Jesus before he performed. And God approves of you in Christ Jesus because of what Jesus did on the cross, not because of what you and I can do. Stop fighting for his approval and enjoy the life he gave. If you're here this morning and this is your first time hearing this message and, and this is good news to you, you're thinking, I had no idea that, that the God of the universe, this historical Jesus, actually died for me. I, I, didn't, I didn't know. I, I thought I had to be good enough to get into heaven. That is what most people think, that you get, you, you get to have life, everlasting life, if you're good enough or if like the good outweighs the bad. But I'm here to tell you good news today. That's not true. You have life, eternal, abundant life in Jesus Christ by following him. So if that's you today, I would invite you to come and and, and talk to me while I'm over here in this next song. Just say, I'm ready to, to follow Jesus. I've been fighting. I'm ready to enjoy. I would love to show you from scripture how God has called you to salvation through Jesus Christ. So let's stand together as Johnny comes and let's sing this last song. If you would need someone to pray for you or if you would like to enjoy the life that Jesus has for you for the first time, please come and talk to me. I'll be standing over here to the side. Let's worship the Lord and contemplate those questions as we finish out today.
1: And as we enter this time of response, the song is less about us all singing together but more as a a word of encouragement to you. So reflect on the words that Larry just um, spoke from Mark um, and sort of sit in that moment um, and just let this be an encouragement to you. It's the moment that you realize All this pain can't be under Look around at all the wreckage and you wonder if it's worth it, all the work left to be done. To run and hide would be so easy. You don't want to stay and fight if you don't give yourself completely. You won't get to see the beauty Waiting on the other side It's gonna take some time Mm -hmm. Healing always does Embrace the road you're walking Be patient with the process You're going to make it out alive When you've got no other option And it's time to tell the truth When all the walls you've built start falling You'll find mercy at the bottom He makes all things new gonna take some time. Oh, healing always does. Embrace the road you're walking. Be patient with the You're gonna reach the other side You're gonna make it out alive Step into the furnace Let the fire serve its purpose It's painful in the flame But it's what it takes to change If you want a resurrection Then a dying has to happen This death is not the end, it's where your life begins. Oh, step into the furnace, let the fire serve its purpose. It's painful in the flame, but it's what it takes to change. If you want a resurrection, then a dying has to happen. This death is not the end, oh, it's where your life begins. It's gonna take some time, healing always does, embrace the road you're walking, be patient with the process, you're gonna make it out alive, it's gonna take some time. with the process You're gonna make it out alive You're gonna make it out alive You're gonna reach the other side You're gonna
0: make it out alive Amen Amen Thank you for worshiping with us here today at Queen's Church. As most of you know, we have a new uh, permanent home. It is not ready for us yet, but if it happens midweek, we will meet there uh, uh, the following Sunday. So stay tuned to the Instagram uh, and Facebook channels and also to your text message and email because that's, that's where you'll get an update if we shift midweek. Um, I do have one thing uh, to share with you. We are celebrating today. David Lopez, our associate pastor here at Queen's Church, is getting married this afternoon to Clarissa. Many of you have gotten to meet her, Um, and he's sticking around here on staff at Queen's Church, but they'll be out for a week or so for their honeymoon. Their wedding is tonight, and a few people in our congregation had a great idea. If you would like to give a love offering to David and Clarissa, a, a blessing for them for their new uh, marriage or for their honeymoon. You can do that today. Here's how you do it. At the back, if you have cash or a check or something, uh, you can make it out to uh, Queen's Church and just put it in the offering basket, but write David on it, right? Just write David somewhere on the envelope. We'll know where that goes. And if you were like, I would love to give to them, but I didn't bring cash. Uh, well, we're, we're just like the the violinist at Central Park. You know, there's other ways to give. Here's, here's how you can give if you did not bring cash but you want to bless David and Clarissa. We will give all of this to them today's the 15th that's their anniversary 115 so just give online but just end your gift in 15 cents. So if you want to give them ten dollars do 10 15. 115. Now, if your regular offering happens to end in 15 this week, that's going to be tough, but I doubt that happens. So if you want to give, that's the code that we'll know that will go to uh, David. We'll add that into his next paycheck just as a nice blessing to him and Clarissa as they begin their new life. Add dot 15 at the end. Cool? We love you guys. We'll see you next week. Thank you for worshiping. Go meet somebody new in the back in the auditorium.
3: This is for the self-dirt Told you, born in the water, from death into the light, scorn for the water, the dark You're when it's still beating. Turn away. you crying Then you find.